Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. It's yeah, we're way too punk rock to do this. Yeah, I think we are. Uh, we're the uh, we're the blue collar podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we just get her done. <laughs> hey, Andy, how's it going? <laughs> good, Patrick. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. How you doing on this bright, lovely day in Utah? Um, you know, I, I can't complain. I I am a fan of May and the weather that it brings. Yep. Are you a fan of June? Yes. I like June's May a little just bit around better. The corner. You like May? Oh, so maybe maybe next time when we record this, you'll be a little bit sadder. It's possible. I mean, it will be like it'll be summer. You know, it'll be June, right? Not yeah. technically summer. I think summer is the, it starts at the, the end of June. Isn't like June twentieth or something? Is it June June twenty first or something? Yeah. Um, I don't so, know. I'm not a meteorologist. <laughs> well, you should be, Patrick. <laughs> we need more meteorologists. I don't get how studying meteors though, like relates to knowing when summer starts. But whatever. It's all connected, man. <laughs> Um, what uh what's our what's our topic of the day okay well let's find out you know patrick we actually got a lot of topics we we did a call out um to our our loving fan base and uh asked for some more topics and we got a lot Um, after they stopped screaming at us after they stopped screaming at us fainting Uh (laughs) uh-huh um they gave us a ton of topics yeah um, so we have 40 a, plus. Yeah, we have a lot of topics. Um, it'll uh, last us a lot. So um, for those of you who have, who have sent in topics, thank you. Um, we'll be going over those over time. We're really excited to. And if you still have topics, feel free to send them in. We'd love to have them. Yep. Bring them in. So, Patrick, um, our topic today... <laughs> Um, comes from a friend of the show, Matt Bourne. All right. Matt wants to know. I like Matt Bourne's topics. He has, he has good, like deep topics. Um, so Matt wants to know, how have you dealt with the assumption this doesn't need UX in the past? <laughs> this doesn't need UX? This doesn't need design? Yeah. I, I, know, I can Andy. tell you how I've dealt with it in the past. Okay. <laughs> I've believed it. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I'll just clock out. I'll just like get, get on my it. phone. You know, I, I, I'm not needing this meeting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> I think to a certain extent, that's probably true. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think it's probably true. Yeah. I think did I'm, we did we answer his did we answer his question? <laughs> We've answered part of it. Maybe like the wrong way to deal with that that statement. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't need UX. Um, yeah, I've never. I don't know if I've ever had anybody actually say that to me. Um. But I know I've had I've had that assumption being I've had that assumption be brought up right like. We'll just have the developers handle it yeah. or we'll have so-and-so handle it or PM will come up with a solution. Like that's happened before, I think. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I don't think anybody's ever like blatantly said, we don't need you on this. Mm-hmm. It's usually more like, 
Maybe we should have brought you in earlier. That's usually <laughs> what, the, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. They come to you with this thing, and then you're like, this sucks. And then you're like, oh, maybe we should have brought you in earlier on this. Uh, I, the the way I've de- I've dealt with it that way too, Andy. I've uh, I've said I believed it, and I've said, okay, then you go figure it out. Yeah, I've been defiant that way, punk rock style. <laughs> been like, you go figure it out, you big stupid jerk. <laughs> and come crawling back to me, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll see you in a week. <laughs> I'll um, see you in five minutes. Yeah. Usually that doesn't do that doesn't go well though because they usually don't come back to you. They usually create some solution that gets put in your product um, that's not maybe not up to par. Sometimes it is, which I think when somebody says that to you, I think you have to look at the problem. Yeah. Because I think there there are plenty of times, especially small things, but I think there are plenty of times that don't necessarily require the hands-on carpentry work of a UX designer but maybe some guidance of a UX designer. Yeah. No, and I, some I, feedback. I would agree with that. Yeah, so it's like um, the, the saying this doesn't need UX could mean um, two things potentially. Like it could mean this doesn't need, um, I don't need you, Patrick, to actually work on this because you're UX. Or it's this yeah. this experience isn't really, it doesn't have a front end. Like there's no UI to it. It's more like maybe it's a back-end thing that, you know, UX really, like, physically won't um, go research and actually come back with, you know, the mocks that we usually have. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't need UX could actually mean, like, it, it just doesn't have a, a front-end user interface. Um, yeah. But at the same time, there's most likely still an experience. If this is customer-facing, there's still some sort of experience, whether that be, like, um, um like text, you know, like copy that shows to the, the user or some sort of interaction. I, I don't know, like, I, I can't think of an exact example right now, but um, I think I've heard that definitely in the past where like this, this problem isn't really a problem that UX can solve. It's more like a, a technical thing that only they can handle like on the back end. You know, it's, yeah, it's something that's not a front end UI thing. But I think at the same time, if you, if you, if you're there, if you're present to actually hear this doesn't need UX, you could probably hear the rest of the problem too. Mm-hmm. And as you said, <clears throat> offer your input too. So um, th- there might be something that they're not really thinking that's more of a user-centric thing. Like you you might be able to bring in some, some research that you've done in the past to understand more about this problem, um, which it does define, like, that is like by definition UX work. Um, you might be able to bring in um, a lot of experience and um, basically a user-centered um, ideas, basically that you can bring to the table, um, that I, I do think qualifies as UX. So, yeah, yeah, it, it could definitely sound like it's a, this doesn't have a front-end UI, but in reality, there is like an experience that you do need to worry about. So, I think the way to deal with it is to ask more questions and to listen. Um, to the problems and see if you can offer any help or solutions, even if you're not actually offering, um, you know, mocks or uh, a UI that you're you're putting out. Mm-hmm. One of those one of those examples I think you're talking about too is like um, error states in an application. Yeah, we've 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 probably designed an error state, a way to handle the interaction in the app, but like if the project is we need to lower our error states, which means we need to like find bugs right that are causing these errors 
those aren't all necessarily problems that a UX designer needs to wrap their hands around. Yeah. Um, but it definitely affects U- UX, right? So I think that could be one justified case of like, we don't need UX on these. What we need to do is go fix our bugs. And mm-hmm. all those bug fixes are more of a technical a technical thing, right? You go in, fix those bugs, track them down, all that stuff. It's not like UX needs to really be present for that. Um, and I think that's a, I think that's an example um, of one of those times when UX really isn't needed, but whatever the project is is affecting UX. Now, on the other hand, if it's if it's we have an error state problem and it's more of the way that, that you're interacting with users, oh, nice Lacroix. Nice LaCroix, Andy. You're Hi, drinking there. You like that, Patrick? Yeah. Yeah. Is that passion fruit? It's passion fruit, yeah. Nice. I could feel it in your voice today. <laughs> it's much more passion. That's right. Yeah, that's that's how I, that's it's how I get your, going. It's in your bloodstream today. Yeah. But no, I was going to say, if it's if it's more about the interaction of the air states that's the issue, then I think that's a UX problem, right? Yeah. So I think I think there is a difference. I also think one... One thing that could happen too is like as UX designers, we generally work on the bulk of the product um, because that's where most of the complicated interactions will happen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll work on a website or stuff for marketing, right? But I think a lot of times it comes from marketing as well. Like marketing's working on a small project. It would affect the user experience, but it's not necessarily your job to step into that. It's more their job to step into that, right? And maybe sometimes they're really good at user experience from a marketing team, um, and maybe maybe they're they're not as experienced. But it does a, what the problem the problem they are trying to solve affects UX, but it doesn't necessarily need your you know greasy fingers on it. Maybe it just needs some help, like just some feedback. What if we did this? Oh yeah, I think that would be cool. Or you could just try this. Would we'll try that. Oh okay, and then they go back to their desk and figure it out, right? Yeah. And I think I think you have to decipher if that's the case um, or like what you said, if it's a back-end case where it really doesn't need UX or doesn't have a front interface. I think maybe what Matt's going for too is the case when the business comes to you and is like, we don't need UX on this. We got this solved. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just do what Google does or we'll just do what so-and-so yes. does, right? That one's, that one's a harder case because if you work at a company where – the business end of your company or the company doesn't believe in what you do, um, then you've got a, you've got a bigger, bigger problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right, Andy? Yep. (laughs) Um, I think, I think the assumption that you don't need UX, I I think it's too, I, I think as a UX designer, like we've talked about this before, if you take a UX designer and you draw like the Venn diagram of importance, you know, customer and product or whatever, UX will be in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because of course it's your job, right? So like I should be in the middle, I should be the most important, right? But if you walked over to the salesperson and said, well, what's the most important part of the pro draw a Venn diagram of all the departments in the, in the, uh, in the office, sales is going to be in the middle of that Venn diagram, right? Yeah. If you go over to engineering, the engineering is going to be in the center of that Venn diagram. It's not true, right? We're all orbiting the product. So we're all important in that, in that regard. And I think sometimes UX designers um, honestly think that we need to be involved in everything when we probably really don't. There is design decisions that can be made by other people that affect UX. So they're making UX decisions. But 
they can effectively make those based on the feedback and everything that they have, like their capabilities. Yeah. So there are definitely some times where it's like a PM and a developer can get together and, you know, work on a small solution and UX doesn't necessarily need to be involved, right? Um, so I don't think just because it's a UX problem to solve doesn't necessarily mean that a UX designer needs to specifically be involved in that on a, you know, like, hey, well, I'll take it. I'll take it. Because I think, I think too often the designer person in you is like, oh, that's a design problem. Let me take it and go design it, and then I'll bring it back to you, right? Yeah. And I think that goes more to, as a UX designer, I think we have to be more willing to facilitate and be like, okay, you've got this UX problem. Well, let me help you out, you know? Don't don't make the assumption that they're disqualifying your job because that's not your job. Like, they're coming to you for help. They're coming to you for advice. They're coming to you with a problem. And just because they're coming at you saying, I don't think we need your involvement necessarily in this doesn't necessarily mean that they don't need your involvement, right? Yeah. It means maybe they need some help, some advice, whatever. We'll go back and execute on this thing so you can move on to other things. But, um, yeah, can you take a look at this? And, and being, being willing to facilitate that. Um, I think there's a lot of talk on, like, the ROI of UX design and proving that and calculating that and all that kind of stuff. And there's big debates on all that all over the place. I think, I think you prove that by facilitating it. Yeah, I think exactly. that's how you prove it to the business. Yeah, I, I really like that a lot. So, yeah, if you're at a business that's saying like, yeah, this doesn't need UX, or they're if you feel like they're kind of bypassing you, you know, they hire you to do the job, but they're not really giving you the opportunity to do it. That's definitely a problem, and I think that can kind of be an indicator that you need to gain more influence as a designer in your role mm-hmm. in your company. Um, so if, if they're thinking they don't really need you, um, it could be true, um, or it could be false. Um, but I think they're going to solicit your help if, if you do have that influence. And I think, and we've talked about this, of course, like how you gain that is of course, by doing your job well and by bringing that customer perspective and sharing it across the company. Um, and what I like about you, what you said is like facilitate that. Um, so it's not you just trying to grab all the work and owning doesn't mean that you like you're the bottleneck and you have to it has to pass through you. It's more mm-hmm. like you you are doing your job to bring the customer perspective and you're sharing it and making sure that everybody is aware of it. And that's kind of like the evangelism of design. And mm-hmm. um, I think if you do that, then you gain that influence and then you're probably going to have a lot less of this problem of we actually don't need a UX person to look at this or to work on this. Um, let's just <laughs> ship it <laughs> because yeah. they're, they're going to see that value. They're going to see um, what you bring to the table in terms of um, what the customers need. What is their value? Cause you've done that research and you've, you've tested with them. Um, and when they're able to see what you bring, then they're going to want to ask you um, for your opinion and, there's going to be a lot less of this doesn't need UX. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think being a good, a good, uh, a good partner with those other people, right. A good partner with the business helps out a ton. Yeah. Because then they're more willing to come to you. If you're, if you're the type of designer and, and we've all done this, I'm not saying like, I'm not immune to this cause this happened to me last week. But, <laughs> but like, if you're like, if you're the type of designer that's like, oh, I'm the UX person, it should go through me. This is a UX problem, it should go through me. And that's all that, and that's how you do it, then people will avoid you. 
right? <laughs> That's what I've learned anyway. It's like, well, I need to get something done this week. I can't, I can't just have him look at it. Like we got to make a decision here, right? Yeah, you're gonna take it up um, to the mountains for three months and then bring it back. Yeah, then you're gonna come down <laughs> with your tablets. And tablets. It's, yeah. it's gonna be great, but the company will be like, you'll come down from the mountains and the company's gone. <laughs> Yeah. What happened to everyone? Oh, well, while you were off in the woods thinking about UX, we shut down the business because we couldn't afford to, you know, wait for you. And then it's like, the designer's like, oh, well, I'll just post it on Dribble. I'll still be good. <laughs> I mean, to give you, to give you a practical example, and I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't think, uh, I don't think Larry would be, uh, unhappy that I talk about this, but we went through a pricing situation the last couple of weeks and, um, it's a very UX thing, right? Like if you, if you, you have the pricing page, which is a UXy thing, right? You have that interaction of how they're going to choose pricing. And then mm-hmm. you have all the interaction of, Oh, well now they buy this license and this license and it changes the packaging and it changes how the view and show and hide and stuff, you know, the features in the application. So it's very much a UX project. But I'm very much also not the expert on pricing and packaging, right? Yeah. And so when when I when I first heard about it, I was like a little I was a little ticked, but I was mostly like I had concerns. Um, but you know, like honestly, the designer in me, deep down, like that that evil, selfish, artistic designer down inside of me, was like, "Freaking, I should have been there from the very beginning," you know. And you get all <laughs> mad and angry. Um, but but I had to temper that, right? Put that back down. Try to anyway. I still got mad, still got angry, still offered my solutions, but then was quickly, quickly kind of put in my place as far as like, I obviously don't know everything about this. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, I think, I think sometimes that's a, that's a problem that we have to move forward with and it can't wait that long. Right. We can't, we literally as a business, can't wait an additional three or four weeks to find the ultimate solution. Like we need to pick something now so we can move forward and then we can do the best that we can to, to make that user experience better, mm-hmm. you know, as we go. And I think, I think that's the, I think that's a problem that we get into as UX designers a lot. We get in our heads and we say, well, give it to me. You know, it's three, it's, it's, it'll be two weeks of work, but it's going to be awesome. And the company's like, I don't have two weeks of time. Yeah. I literally don't. And, and at a startup or at a company, like most of the time you don't have that kind of time. So UX designer has to act quickly. And the best way to act quickly is just to facilitate and be like, Hey, what if you just did this, you know, offer your feedback, that kind of thing. And then, and then try to make the best of what's happening. Right. I think oftentimes that's, especially in a startup world, I think that's, that's how you gain influence. Mm -hmm. That's how you're going to get better influence. Right. The next time a project comes up, that's not necessarily you know, product related or something like that, they're going to come to you and ask you for advice. If you're, if you play that way versus if you let the demon, the design demon out and be like, throw a hissy fit and be like, Hey, I'm, you know, this requires UX, you know, like on some level we have to stand for that. So we don't get trampled on and let everybody else make decisions. But a lot of times we have to pick our battles. Right. And realize that like the business is important because if it's not, I don't have a paycheck, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely true. Um, I think, uh, and I think we have talked about this a lot too, like almost every aspect. So like every every company has like a bunch of teams that are running all these different things. 
and what are the, all the things that they're actually pushing out are like contribute to the entire experience of a company. Um, you as a designer, as an experienced designer, cannot own every every piece of that. <laughs> no. Like there's there's a marketing team and a creative team, and you can't control all the things they're doing, and you can't control the way sales is talking to the customer. So it's it's really hard to be in charge of the entire overall experience of that every customer experiences with uh, a, co- a company a product right um so <laughs> i think what you're saying is like you you have to kind of realize you can't be in control of all of that you can't own all of that but you have to do your best to to facilitate what the user needs and to um to kind of bring that design element across the company as best you can mm-hmm. Well, at least at least by offering advice and yeah, you know that kind of thing, like being a consultant on some level. I yeah. think I think providing that kind of feedback is can can go a long way and can actually go a long way to building that influence for future projects too. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. But yeah, did we solve it? It's just it's just yeah, accept it. I mean, I'm on some level, I think it is. I think on some level you have to go, that's not necessarily my role. Even though, even though my title is UX designer, that doesn't mean, like you said, I control all the UX, Mm -hmm. you know, am I responsible for all the UX? At some, at some, some, you know, at the end of the day, probably. Yeah. But like there are other people hired to do their jobs and make decisions that affect the user experience. And so they, they're, they're supposed to do that. Right. Yeah. That's true. And I think, yeah, I, I think it is accept it, but it's also like, um, try your best to gain influence, um, through, through the, the, the many ways that we mentioned. Um, I think if you do that, then I think other individuals might realize it actually does need UX, even if the need is just getting feedback. Mm-hmm. Now, if they look at you, if the business looks at you like a UI designer um, versus the UX designer, right? That's like a different story. That's a completely different. If the business is coming to you saying, hey, I need to move quick on this, so this doesn't need UX, we're going <laughs> to solve this right now. That's one thing. That's kind of what we've been talking about a little bit. But like, if they hired you because they thought they needed a UX designer, but they truly don't understand your role. Yeah. Um, and then they come to you after they've made a decision and try to like, Hey, a UX designer, why don't you make this look pretty? If that's the case, <laughs> then I think you're probably more of a, in a toxic environment where you should probably get out. <laughs> <laughs> Run for the hills. <laughs> because no matter, no matter how much, no matter how much you do in that situation, if a, if a business is, is coming at you, not understanding what your role is, it's, you're always going to fight that battle, right? Yeah. And design is not the easiest thing to prove, right? It's not the easiest thing to like, you can't just show a spreadsheet and be like, see, this is how much I contribute. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's more nuanced than that. It's a role. And so I think if people can't get it, then like, they're just not going to get it. Yeah, that's true. I think you, at that you like, you're going to have to try your best to do your job. Um, as, as much as they let you. <laughs> um, but if it, if they're not going to let you do it, then yeah, it's probably not going to work. 
Um, it's hard to explain what design is and hard to explain the, the value that we give. Um, I can't even explain it to my parents. They don't really know exactly what I do. Um, so <laughs> it's got to be um, just as hard to explain to somebody who has no idea what design does in a, in a business sense. So, yeah. Well, if it was, if user experience design was easy to quantify the return on investment for a company like a sales team or like even an engineering team, mm -hmm. then we wouldn't have 10,000 medium articles and people arguing on Twitter every day about <laughs> the ROI of design, right? There's a reason why it's, there's no silver bullet for this, right? And so I think if you're in that situation where it's like, they're looking at you as, they're, they're looking at you as not necessary, like it's it's not necessary. It's nice to have, but it's not necessary. Yeah. Then I don't know if that person or that business will ever get that. That's very possible. Because I think, I think, you know, once, once a person understands or experiences it for themselves, what the difference between a good and a bad user experience is, um, and how frustrating it can be, I don't think they understand what we do, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so I, and that can be any everyday thing, but, but some business owners don't, and that's not their, that's not their goal either, right? Their goal is not, their goal is not, not to have a good user experience. Their goal is to sell more product. Yeah. And so if I can sell more product by not having UX designers and, you know, doing it this way, then that's fine, you know, but I don't think, I don't think those type of business owners will ever understand what, um, the importance of, of UX, a good user experience will ever be. Well, what about how, how things have changed over the last, you know, last 10, 20 years where, you know, many software companies did not have a user experience designer and now most of them do, um, what do you think happened there, Patrick, in terms of um, all of a sudden companies care about the user experience? <laughs> I think I think that's that's a big question. I think that's um, one. I think is advocacy, right? You had people like Alan Cooper that were advocating for it for years and years and years, saying we're building this wrong, we're doing this wrong, we're building shitty products. Like, I think you have, I think you have people like that that made it a priority in the tech industry and, and built a name for themselves by doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it starts. I also think it starts in some industries because people genuinely get hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I think, I think in medical industries, I think in aviation, I think in automobile industries, those industries have been experiencing UX, ergonomics, all that stuff for decades. Right. For a long time. They have to, because people get hurt if they don't have good user experience. Yeah. That is easier to that is easier to quantify, right? Like if you release something and a bunch of people die, <laughs> then it's like, oh, we move the button over here and people don't die. Oh, why didn't we just move the button over here? We had um, we had 5,000 less users die this year. That's what UX yeah. did. That's how we quantify. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think they've been dealing with that for a long time in those industries. <laughs> More in, more in the industry that we're in, right, like finance industry or project management industry, that kind of stuff, it's, it's less about the consequence of a bad user experience. Mm -hmm. The consequence of a bad user experience is it's just worse than our competition, right? It's just yeah. not as good as the competition. And I think in certain industries, like we can see it in the tax industry for sure. Um, when we compare our application with other competitors to, to our users, they're – 
they're blown away by the user experience that we have and how easy it integrated and things are, right? Yeah. Um, and we look at it and be like, man, we've got a long ways to go. But they're using antiquated the, – the competition, half the competition in our industry is 20, 30 years old, and they haven't even touched it yet. Like, they don't even know what it is. They don't even know what user experience is. You know, they're just using whatever Windows 95 was doing, you know. <laughs> like, we're just going to keep doing that. And so I think I think part of, part of the UX explosion in the last decade has been – has been competition. And I think that's where you get um, you get the return on your investment. And a lot of that comes from, does our product look better? Does it feel better? Does it, you know, is it easier to use than our competition? Because those become selling points. You know, when all of the feature sets are the same, what's the selling point? Exactly. Selling point's usually gonna be how nice it looks, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah. I think automobile industries and airplane industries and all those, they've already made it way past that. They already went from we need to use good user experience because we were killing people to <laughs> now we need good user experience to 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 outdo the competition because ours looks better, right? And so yeah. I think I think I think it's a competitive advantage. Um, it's not necessarily competitive in every industry though. So I think you can find yourself in the situation that Matt's talking about in an industry where it's not an advantage, right? And there's plenty of industries where I don't think it's it is an advantage yet. It's either like the users don't care about it or it's just not a competitive advantage yet. Or maybe the, the features are, maybe there's, maybe you're, maybe the industry is still in a, in a competition of features. And so it's not really net, like you can win over more people just by having f- another feature than the other person. Yeah. I think UX gets a backseat to that. Right. But yeah. I think more and more it's becoming a, a sales feature. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now in the digital age where, um, there are so many different products that are all doing the same thing, right? As you said, there's so mm-hmm. much competition. Um, definitely makes sense, um, especially to the user. Like, the, like a, now nowadays, like the 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 customer is the one that's the king, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess they could have been a long time ago. I don't know if that's a great analogy, but um, we just have so much, um, so much, so many options as users. Um, and so many different things we can do and it's so easy to access so many products that we want to choose the one that's the best one for us that helps us do our our task our job the easiest way right um, and so that's that's definitely what's what's turning the industry um, around to being more um, user centric um, so yeah I would agree with that I think it's it's pretty interesting so yeah if they if they find them if as a designer if they find themselves in a field that you know doesn't really <laughs> That here's that comment a lot. This doesn't need UX. Um, that that it could be that that company hasn't realized it yet, or it could be an industry where it doesn't matter, as you said. Um, so there's definitely a lot of different ways that I think this could be happening, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I guess I just kind of want to go down that the avenue to see, like, to kind of explore how a company could potentially change to um, realize suddenly, oh, we do need a good UX. Um, if they didn't understand it before, kind of like mm-hmm. history has shown. So cool stuff. Yeah. So I, th- I think we answered it, Patrick. Did we answer that one? Answered it for Matt? I think we answered it for Matt. I hope so. Hope we gave him an answer he likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always worry about that. We're going to give people wrong, well, not, not wrong answers, but answers people don't like. <laughs> Yeah, then our podcast rating is just going to go down the toilet. Yeah, just go down and just be like, 
They don't know anything, man. The answer is the answer is this. Yeah. And they didn't answer it that way. So so we could ask our listeners to give us questions and then give us the answers they want to those questions. Yeah. And then we'll 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 reframe them and talk about them for thirty minutes. Yeah. To make them feel good. Isn't that how social media works though? Don't you don't you log in to get the stuff that makes you feel better, not the stuff that's actually happening? Um, I, I think that's how almost everything works, Patrick. Yeah. That's that's all of confirmation bias is all the things that all the information that I seek is the information that I want to hear. That I want to hear. <laughs> all the things that I look for is the stuff I just want to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're a scared, depressed human being, you just want to know, like, hey, I believe in this thing. There's other people out there that believe in it, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to know everybody else's opinion. And that makes it true because <laughs> they believe that makes in it, it true. Too. Hundred percent. One other person believes it. It's totally true. <laughs> <laughs> so send us your questions. Send us your answers. Well, we're here. We're here to not give you the answer you want to hear. That's what we're here <laughs> to give you, Andy. Right? That's what. That's our job. Oh, is that our job? Our job now? is to tell you the hardest truth. Yeah. Are, are we pivoting from? <laughs> yeah, we're pivoting now. <laughs> so we need we need a topic. Then we need your answer to the topic, uh-huh. and then we will do the opposite of that answer, just yeah. so that we can we can tell you the truth, and you're going to accept it. We're, yeah, we're not going to fact check your answer. We're just going to tell you the opposite of it. Yeah, we'll tell you the real facts, <laughs> if we believe it or not. That's the way the world works, I guess. <laughs> hey, did you have any cashews this week? I didn't have any, man. Oh, kind of disappointed in you. I wouldn't do that because I don't like cashews. I was hoping you'd go out and give them another try. <laughs> no, all I did. I was that. hoping you wouldn't. You wouldn't keep living in your own confirmation, confirmation bias. Well, uh, <laughs> hole over there. No, it's, it, that's exactly what I did. As soon as we got off our our last episode, I just started looking for other people who also hated cashews. Yeah. So yeah, I, I found plenty. By the way. I know. I saw your Reddit post. <laughs> in the in the the slash cashew community, <laughs> cashew community. <laughs> there has to be one, right? Oh, you know, you know, on Reddit there is. I don't even want to try. I don't even want to look. <laughs> Talk about a rat hole. Don't even go over there. Yeah. Are you Are you doing it right now? Uh, yeah, I'm doing it. probably some some huge argument going on right now about cashews and how they're their inferior nut <laughs> oh i don't see a slash cashew <sighs> i think i think we should create one man should we own this thing should oh, we start wait. this thing should we start a revolution <laughs> <laughs> we, sh- we should um i'm gonna create it and then just talk about how dumb they are and then I'll get on there and talk about how dumb you are. <laughs> and then Reddit will just take over after that, right? Yeah, the internet will be the same. <laughs> like, the trolls will just crawl out and be like, yeah, I've got an opinion on cashews. <laughs> and then it'll be like, be like a flame war for the next 30 years. It'll keep people busy. Yeah. People need stuff to do, right? Yeah. Okay, Andy. I got stuff to do. Yeah, me too. I got a lot of work now. So So I'm gonna I'm gonna head out.
All right. Well, you be safe out there, Patrick. Okay. Be safe. Wear your mask if you go to Walmart. Yeah. Don't be like all the other people that don't wear their masks. Just just wear your mask when you go to Walmart. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or just don't go to Walmart. (laughs) That's the better solution. (laughs) Go to Target instead. Yeah, go to Target. But if you go to Target, wear your mask, man. Yeah. (laughs) Wear your mask. Go to Target. Don't go to Walmart. (laughs) Okay. Go buy yourself some almonds. (laughs) You want to know the best way to support the podcast? And I know you do because you made it to the end of this episode. That is share it. Share it with a coworker. Share with a family member. Share with a friend. Share it with whoever you want to. Share it with a construction worker. Share it with somebody. It doesn't matter. Just share it. Um, a couple more ways to support the podcast, though. Go buy a t-shirt over at designmuch.threadless.com and then wear it with pride. And then lastly, to support the podcast, we need your topics. Use hashtag designmuchtopics on social media or shoot us an email at topics at designmuch.org or just go to designmuch.org contact and fill out the form. 